All right. Well, if you would take your Bibles with me and turn to Colossians chapter 1. This text has been uh, uh, a help to me, and I hope that it uh, is a help and an encouragement to you. As we talk this morning, um, and we read through the first few verses, you see that Paul is praying without ceasing and desiring some really cool spiritual things for these believers here at Colossae. They're people that have heard the Word of God. They've heard it in truth. Uh, they're bear- it's bearing fruit in their lives. They're growing in their knowledge of Christ. Um, and yet he, he desires more for them. And, uh, you know, Paul says that he, that he, even he in his life, he had not yet attained, but he followed after that he could apprehend that for which Christ had apprehended him. And uh, there, there's no plateauing in the Christian life. You're either going forward or you're going backward. And Paul really wanted to see these believers grow in, in grace. So this morning we, we talked about uh, these desires and, and uh, wanted to approach it from the standpoint of, uh, as a parent, how I can pray for my child, how I can pray for uh, these teenagers, how teenagers can pray for each other. You know, um, I don't know if hopefully you thought about it this morning, but if you would pray for each other, that, that they, that the, your, your fellow student would be filled with the knowledge of God, you know, and, and see them make right decisions in their lives. It's a great thing to pray for them. And so, uh, tonight we're going to look at the second desire, the second request. And, um, we'll start in verse number nine here, and then we'll, uh, See what the Lord has for us. So verse 9, the scripture here says, Colossians chapter 1. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that was the first desire that he had for him. And the second desire, he says in verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of of God, and so just again a great desire, a great spiritual desire um, that we can act upon and, and pray for each other and, and pray for our children that God would do this in their lives. And so uh, let's ask the Lord for His help again, and then we'll go through this tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your grace, and uh, thank you for the desire that you put in Paul's heart here to see these believers grow in their walk with you. And uh, Lord, I just ask for your help tonight to uh, to preach this, to communicate it uh, clearly and effectively. I pray, God, that your word would have uh, free course tonight, that it would speak to our hearts, and uh, that you'd be glorified in all of it. We ask in your name. Amen. All right, so Paul's second desire, the one that we're looking at tonight, is that they would walk worthy of the Lord. That they would walk worthy of the Lord. Now, this is a common theme, especially in Paul's epistles, but it's the common theme for a believer's life. That once you're saved, you ought to be changed. You ought to live differently. That, that if you were living for self and living for the world before you got saved, once you get saved, once you trust Christ as your Savior, you now don't live unto yourself, but you live unto the Lord. And uh, I have a few, quite a few uh, references here for you. And part of the reason I wanted you to have the handout tonight is uh, there were a lot of cross-references, and I wanted us to be able to cover um, this information without going, me going 50 minutes tonight. All right, So um, it'll only be 32, Andrea. Um, but Ephesians chapter 4, in verse number 1, the Bible, he says here, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And if you remember, Pastor actually preached on that last Sunday night, talking about how to work for the Lord. But we have a vocation. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been called to serve the Lord. Um, I love it when Paul says in Philippians that we have that uh, he was going to pursue. Um, let me think how the I got to back up. Think of how the verse goes. Um, 
that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And he talks about how that he may um, run after the, the prize, that he may attain the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you are saved, if you're a believer, there is nothing greater than you can, that you can do with your life than to live for Jesus Christ. I mean, you can be the President of the United States and, and it not be as important as living for Jesus Christ with your life. I mean, that's how important it is. It's a vocation. And Paul says there, uh, through the inspiration of the Spirit in Ephesians, that we ought to walk worthy of that vocation. So we ought to have a life that, that matches up with uh, the fact that we are saved. 1 Thessalonians 2.11 he says, as you, uh, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you, would walk, that you might walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. So again, it's cool to see some, some things that are true. We have been called unto his kingdom. We're called unto his glory. Those are things that haven't really yet been realized yet, right? And, and we won't see that until he comes back. But knowing that we are called into His kingdom, we are called unto His glory, we ought to walk worthy of that. Then 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, you would abound more and more. And so, we, again, as a believer, we ought to live a life that matches what we say, that, that matches that we identify with Jesus Christ. Um, I wrote this down. To say that Jesus is worthy of me presenting my life to Him is a total, it should be a complete understatement. Now, when you think about walking worthy, I could never be worthy. I could never behave myself in a way that is worthy enough that, that, that I earn what Jesus did for me on the cross. Right? We know that. But yet, um, just like you expect certain things of a fireman, when a fireman shows up to the fire, when he takes that axe, let's say he breaks through a window and the flames come out, if the fireman turns around and runs away, is that what you expect out of a fireman? No. There's a certain expectation that goes with that vocation. People like Nick Arling jump into the building when it's on fire, right? They go rushing toward the thing. Um, the military, the Marines have a statement. Every Marine a what? A rifleman. Every Marine, a rifleman. You guys, yeah, every Marine, a rifleman. If you're a, a Marine, you can expect that that guy knows how to shoot a rifle. Now imagine, you go into combat, you're in Afghanistan, and you're there next to your buddy who's a Marine, and you start having incoming fire, and he's sitting there trying to figure out how to operate the rifle. Is that something that you would expect from a Marine? No, you ought to expect that guy to know how to call in airplanes and bombs and shoot back, right? There are certain expectations of that. And in the Christian life, we know that there's a certain expectation that we ought to live um, for the Lord. Romans chapter 12, we looked at it this morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. I think it's important to look at the, the way that God says it here in the verse again. But to say that Jesus, again, for me to be worthy enough to pay Christ back for what He did for me, I'll never reach that. But He is worthy of anything that, that I would ever do for His name. He, and He's worthy of so much more. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. We read it this morning. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I spent a little bit of time in the service industry. I worked at Shoney's Restaurant. And I have to tell you that um, working in the service industry, it makes me much more aware when I go to a restaurant. And imagine you go to a, a nice restaurant and uh, you order a Coke. And, uh, you know, you, 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 they bring your meal out to you and you're, you know, your Coke is gone. You've, you've drunk a lot of it. And uh, the, the, you ask the waitress, hey, could I please have a refill? And the waitress looks at you and goes, you want me to tie your shoes too? Yeah. We can't fathom that. Now, some of you, you had service about that bad. <laughs> um, imagine a Christian saying, you want me to live a holy life? You want me to have a life that's acceptable to God? He said, this is, that's your reasonable service. That's just expected that you ought to live for the king. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says it this way, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So as a believer... Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And more specifically, in Romans chapter 12, it's more of that daily surrendering. Um, I love what he says here, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And when we were going through Romans with the teenagers, I remember reading one of the commentators, and he said, um, you know, you get this idea, you go to a youth camp, and you say, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life. And you almost get that, you know how Tim Hawkins talks about contemporary music, a lot of contemporary worship now, they're like, I want to touch his face. You know, it's this ethereal, what does that even mean? You want to touch his face? And so people are like, I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Okay, what does that mean? Well, you know what this means? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So every part of my body, my eyes, what I see, what I put into my mind, what I listen to, my ears, what I say with my tongue, God, I'm surrendering all of that to you today. You see how much more practical that is? And it takes it from being up here. I want to live for Jesus. What does that mean? That means today I present my body a living sacrifice. What does the Lord want me to do? What does he not want me to do? How does he want me to live? So, um, again, living for Jesus Christ, he is beyond worthy of anything we would ever do for him. Um, so now, back to, if you look at uh, our, our text, he says that he prays for them that they would um, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So as a believer, we know we want to live a life that pleases God. We want to live a life that pleases the Lord Jesus Christ. So is there an example that we could go to that that would demonstrate for us how to live in a way that pleases God. Well, uh, letter A, our example is Christ. Number one is unto all pleasing. Letter A, our example is Christ. If you would turn there to John chapter 8, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of having a life that pleases God. He, he, was, he is God, and he, he lived a life that pleased God. If you look at John chapter 8, and look with me at verse... Oh, we'll start in verse number 26. 
He's speaking here with the Pharisees, and the Lord says, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake unto them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. I do always those things that please him. Jesus Christ, in every moment of every day, pleased the Father. And you remember that when he was baptized and he identified with John's baptism and you, the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That was not a new thing for God the Father and God the Son. Jesus Christ continually lived a life that was pleasing to the Father. Um, I, I like this. James Knox, Pastor Knox, in his book, The Humanity of Christ, I gave you this quote. He says this, Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. This is a more incredible declaration than a casual glance reveals. He did not say that he had never done anything bad. He said that he had never, he had never failed to do something good. Men measure righteousness by not doing wrong. That's only half the question. If we measured righteousness by doing what is right, who could, who could say, I have never missed the mark? You see that? So Jesus Christ wasn't just saying, hey, I've never sinned. He's saying, every time I've ever had an opportunity to do a good work, to show that I'm God, to, to, to help somebody know who God is, every single time I've done it. And, and, and we stand convicted, right? We stand saying, wow, I, I, Lord, I wish I, would live to, I wish I was more like you. And God wants us to be more like Him. That's why Christ is the example. Paul said, be followers of Christ. Be followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. He's the example. And so we ought to live a life that pleases Him. Um, and He set the example for us. Now, a couple of things specifically. We, we were talking this morning about knowing God's will, knowing the will of God. And there were a couple of very specific things that God said, this is my will. Well, there are a couple of specific things that God says pleases Him. Letter B, faith in God pleases the Lord. You want to live a life that pleases Christ? Have faith in His Word. Have faith in His Word. Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6 says this, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And that chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, it is so amazing to see the different people listed and identified. And many of them, they're the stories that we grew up in Sunday school learning. But these people lived a life and did great things for God by faith. By faith. And so do you have, uh, in thinking about living a life that pleases the Lord, do you have faith in God's Word? Do you have faith in what He said? And then next, obeying your parents pleases the Lord. Obeying your parents pleases the Lord. Now, it was really, I know it was a great sermon until we hit this point right here. And the teenager said, yeah. <laughs> All right, look at it. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. Are the teenagers here tonight? Are they here with me? Yeah! All right. Okay, here we go. Colossians 3, verse 20. I want the whole youth ministry to read this verse out loud. All right? Children... Uh, all right, we're going to back up. All right, I want the whole youth ministry to read this out loud with me, all right? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. 
How many of you parents think that was pretty lame? There were like three of them that said it. All right, I think we ought to go back over that verse again, all right? So next time, if you don't say this loud enough, I'm going to have you sing it, all right? So look, here we go. Colossians 3.20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. All right. So here's the deal. God gives us something, you know, this, I want to live for Jesus. I, I want to serve Him my whole life. Okay, will you do what your parents ask you to do. You see, that's the presenting your body as a living sacrifice. That's the daily, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I want to have a life that pleases Him. So, okay, I'll obey them. I'll, I'll do what you ask. You see, it, it's so cool that He didn't just stop. God could have said, hey, obey your parents. But there are a couple of verses where He says, obey your parents that it may go well with thee. Because it's pleasing to the Lord. You see, if your motivation is just to, 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 to get your parents off your back, well, that's not really living for Christ either. Is it, I want to have a life. I know that there are some times that my parents ask me to do things I don't really want to do. There are times that your parent might ask you to do something that sometimes you don't think you should have to do. But the Bible says that when you obey your parents, this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And that just in the same way that Jesus Christ said, I do always those things that please my Father. That God's challenge to you is this. Will you, will you trust Him? Will you trust God that He's not a complete idiot? And that when He designed the home and the family and put the dad as the head and the wife is subject to her husband and is supposed to love him and the children underneath that, will you trust Him that He knew what He was doing? Will you trust Him? Or will you go with this world? Will you go with the spirit of this age and say, that this just, I don't know why it's set up this way, because you should, you should see how smart I am. Will you obey your parents? It's well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, for the parents, let me, let's fill in this blank. Having obedient children pleases the Lord. The scripture says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So parent, having an obedient child, that pleases God. You see, when you let them off the hook, when you let them go in disobedience, you're creating a structure, you're creating instances in which that's not pleasing to the Lord. Now again, you see how it takes it from, man, my whole family, we're going to live for the Lord. What does that mean? Does that get down to today? We're going to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Husbands, we're going to love our wives. Wives, we're going to love our husbands and, and, and be subject unto them. And then children, we're going to obey our parents. And parents, we're going to hold our children accountable. We're going to hold them accountable. This, why? Because it's well-pleasing unto the Lord. Uh, man, uh, it, it's amazing. In Christ, He's the example. He did always those things that please His Father. So the, the first one is that they would um, unto all, be, walk worthy of the Lord... And what we're looking at tonight, how do I walk worthy of the Lord? Well, I walk in a way that pleases Him. Secondly, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful in every good work. That's number two, and that's the second, the next phrase in that Colossians passage. Uh, go ahead and turn back to Colossians. We'll get back to our, our text there. Colossians chapter 1, he says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. So every area of our life pleasing to the Lord. Um, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful 
in every good work. Letter A, being fruitful in every good work pleases the Lord. It, it, it pleases God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 here says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Being fruitful in every good work. Um, man, what areas does God want you to serve? And uh, I, is Spurgeon quote, is that in your handout? The next thing. Um, I left my Spurgeon quote somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but it's really good. But we ought to be willing to serve God in every area. What the quote was is he gave the, uh, a recap. Uh, there was a story that was told where there was a corporal during the Revolutionary War that was ordering his men about. They were trying to get a tree or something out of the way, and the corporal is just screaming and yelling at these guys. And a, a man comes up on horseback and he says, well, why don't you lend a hand to them? Why don't you help them? And he says, well, I'm the corporal. Don't you know who I am? And so he keeps barking orders at these guys. So the, the man that came up, he dismounts from the horse, goes over, helps move the tree, goes back over to the corporal and says, I'm General Washington. If you need a man to help, why don't you call me? And so gets back on the horse and goes away. Because this corporal, he thought it was above his pay grade to get down there and help move the tree with the men. Well, General Washington, being the man that he was, that wasn't above his pay grade. And uh, that was convicting to me because you get to the place, you know, it'd be a burn to get to the place in your Christian life where you think that, you know, cleaning a toilet's above your pay grade or, or wiping a snotty-nosed kid that comes into Awana. That's a, ooh, you know, it's, it might be gross, but it's not above your pay grade, you know what I'm saying, as a Christian. Um, so being fruitful in every good work. The other thing is, uh, he, he said here, in verse 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. The Bible says in Philippians, it says, For God, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So here's the deal. You may not have the big picture. You may not have the specifics of exactly what God wants you to do for the next 20 years of your life laid out. Now, how many of you are organizers and you kind of wish that God would just give it to you on a blueprint? I'm that way. I'm like, okay, God, the whole next 20 years thing, can I, can I buy that somewhere? Is there somewhere where we can go that you can lay it all out for me? Um, and I, I was really bad with that in college, man. I wanted to know, you know, if this girl that I asked out was going to be the one that I was going to marry, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. I wanted to know all about it. I was just hoping one of them was going to marry me. That's you should have seen the amount of money I paid Shauna to marry me. Um, helps having a rich dad. Um, <laughs> but if you, will, if you will daily just live and do what you know God wants you to do today. So let me, let me say, like, how many of you guys are sophomore? Who's a sophomore in high school? All right, sophomore in high school. You're not going to college for at least another couple of years, right? So instead of living with that on your mind all the time, you know, who can you witness to this week at school? Who can, you know, in what ways can you serve in ministry right now while you're 15, while you're 16? Um, you see how as you, as you just do what God wants you to do today and you step into tomorrow, you step into next week, the, the God's Word says His, His Word is a lamp into my feet and a line of my path. A lot of you right now, you're taking it a step at a time. Um, and if you will just continue to do what God wants you to, as you're 15, you'll find out that you 
continue to do what God wants you to when you're 16. And then all of a sudden you're turning 18 and you're, and you're still doing what you know God wants you to do. And then those other decisions become a little bit easier because you're where God wants you to, right, to be right now. And so uh, be willing to do just every good work. Um, we, we see letter B, this shows God's eternal purpose and design for us. We sh- this shows God's eternal purpose and design. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Man, if that verse doesn't help you to see that God has a plan and purpose for your life, I don't know what will help you. <laughs> that is such an encouragement that before the worlds began, God had you in mind. He had His purpose for your life in mind. Before the worlds were ever ordained, Before, um, and we find more about what God wants us to do in Christ. So being ready to every good work. Um, go with me to Psalm. I didn't really plan to go here. It's not on the handout. But look at Psalm 1. Because he's talking about being fruitful in every good work. And look here what the Bible says about the wise man that, that meditates in, his, in God's Word day and night. Look at Psalm 1. The Scripture says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Man, that is a beautiful picture. The Lord says this. A wise man, he won't walk in the ways of the ungodly. He won't stand with the sinners. He won't sit with the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it. He meditates on it day and night. And what does it cause in that person's life? That in every season of life, he bears fruit. You see that? Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And so you guys know, I mean, there are different seasons of life. There, um, it was fun. This, this week I was watching uh, uh, Lydia was in the car driving around the parking lot with her mom this week. And it's a, it a season of life yet. Doesn't yet have her license, you know, working on uh, uh, learning how to drive and that kind of thing. I can remember that season of life. The day I turned 16, I went to get my permit. My mom took me down there. And the moment I left the, uh, the vehicle registration place, uh, an officer pulled out behind me. And I'm going... I was, I was a little nervous. But he just, he just happened to be there and happened to come out from behind me. Now, you know, when they come out behind me, I'm like gunning it and swerving and all, doing all kinds of fun stuff. No. But there are these different seasons. There are these different seasons of life, you know, when you're single. That's a season of life that, 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 that God has certain things that He wants you to do during that time. When you're, when you're just married, you know, you're one of those younger married couples. Justin and Amanda, you know. And... Your marriage is still new and fresh and you know nothing negative about the other person. <laughs> you know? Those are seasons of life and uh, then you get to be old. Um, all these seasons of life, God says this person that, that, that will spend meditating on, on His Word day and night, they will bring forth fruit in those seasons. So 
here's the deal. Are you meditating in God's Word? As you do, you'll bring forth fruit. The Bible says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It, he talks about, and, and he that winneth souls is wise. Really cool connection with winning people to Christ there and bearing fruit. Um, go ahead, and uh, number three there, that they would increase in their knowledge of God. So the, the first thing... Uh, is that they would walk, in order to walk worthy of God, that they would have a life that's unto all pleasing. Secondly, that they would bring forth fruit in every good work. And then number three, that they would increase in their knowledge of God. That was the last part of that verse, that they would increase in their knowledge of God. Look with me, uh, if you would, at Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And the scripture says in verse number 18, um, look at verse number 17. You know, therefore, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So growing in the knowledge of Christ keeps us from falling from our own steadfastness. And again, if you think you can get to the place in your Christian life where you know everything there is to know about God, um, you're wrong. <laughs> I, Pastor Knox, if you go on his website, he's doing the, he's, for the last year he's been preaching on the names and the titles of Christ. And so I've been, as I've been mowing, doing some other work, work manual labor, um, I've listened to some of those. And you want to talk about learning about God through just what he's called in the Bible, the great shepherd of the sheep, the almighty, the all powerful. Uh, it's fascinating to learn about who God is. Jesus Christ, he was doing Jesus Christ, the Messiah and, and stuff. I never knew about what that entails, him being the Messiah. Um, I just looked and some of the most recent ones are Jesus, the word. I'm thinking that's probably a really cool one. I hope he preaches it for the Bible conference when he's here, you know. Jesus Christ being the Word, the eternal Word of God. And what that does when you... When, when, so as your child grows in the grace, as you and I grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, it keeps us from falling from our own steadfastness. Um, you know, people that fall away from their walk with the Lord. And again, you guys know, it has, steadfastness has nothing to do. It's a completely different word than salvation. It's not falling from salvation. It's falling from your steadfastness in your walk with Christ. It's hard to be growing. It's hard to fall away from Christ when you're learning more about who He is every day. Because He's greater and greater every day as you learn more about Him. Then uh, Jeremiah 9.24 says this, But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. You know, you hear people brag about all kinds of stuff. I'll never forget Brother Dave McCracken was preaching through Second Peter chapter 3. And he was making fun of people that brag about drinking certain amounts of liquid over the weekend. You know, oh man, we got together and drank three cases last night. And he, and, and he thought it'd be funny sometime to just pop in there and go, Man, yeah, I drank three cases of Coca-Cola. <laughs> you know? I drank so much of this. We, yeah, we should have seen all that we did. Um, 
Well, God says, you know, people glory in all kinds of stuff. God says, you know what I want you to glory in? You know, these clash of cleaners we got in here tonight. They're, we, you know, a little subculture we got going on here on an app, on a video game on the iPad. They're in their own little world and they're doing all kinds of achievements and getting all kinds of characters unlocked, right? We glory in all kinds of stuff. How many of you, what, what hunting season is it right now? Is it turkey season? I think Chad was going turkey hunting the other day. Um, you know, <laughs> turkey hunters, I wonder about turkey hunters when I'll say that. How many of you hunt, anybody hunt turkey in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Turkey hunters are a different breed. Um, my, buddy, one of my, my best friend in college, uh, Darren, he's uh, an assistant pastor down in North Carolina. There was this turkey that was, had kind of been out where the guys' dorms were at Crown. We were kind of out on a, on a farm-type area. We were out in the country. And there was a turkey that was spotted around the dorms for about a week or so. And one day, the turkey, I just kind of noticed he wasn't around like he had been the week before. And I asked, I asked my buddy Darren about it because Darren turkey hunts, and he just kind of grinned. And I'm looking at, and so I walk into his dorm, and on the coffee table, there's the, the arm of the turkey with the tendon things poking out. And I'm going, dude, that's disgusting. And he picks it up, and he starts pulling the tendon, and the arm starts opening and closing, and he comes after me with it. I'm like, you are a psychotic. What in the world is that? Darren's the kind of guy where <laughs> there were just instances where you don't ask. <laughs> You're like, hey, Darren, what happened to you? Never mind, don't tell me. <laughs> Especially as an RA, you know. Um, I'm not going to report my buddy, but I just had to not ask at certain times. <laughs> um, college, those are, those are amazing seasons of life. But, you know, ter- hunters, they glory in all this kind of stuff. God says, you know what I want you to glory in? That you know me, that you love me that your kids know me and that they love me with all their heart. That's what I want you to glory in. You know, and, and we're in a season right now where, man, you know, and if your kid plays ball or whatever, that's cool. I played ball too. I uh, did some very fascinating things. I never set any records for three-pointers or any of that, but I played ball. It's all fun, but where's the glory? Is it glorying in knowing who God is? And uh, what is fun, what is so cool is to see, especially our Awana teachers talk about, how much these kids want to know verses. They want to know Jesus. They want to know the stories. They want to be here. They want to wear Red's paraphernalia, you know. Um, It's awesome to see everything that's going on there. Then uh, Philippians 3.8 says this, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Uh, Paul, you look through there at the list of stuff that he gave that he could have trusted in for his salvation. And he said, all that I count up a dung, that I may know Christ and know him. Verse uh, Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And then letter D, will we be barren or fruitful in the knowledge of Christ? And those are the two, those are the two choices. You're either going to be fruitful or you're going to be barren. And Second uh, Peter identifies that for us. Are, are we still here? Yeah, Second Peter chapter 1. Look at what he says here in verse number 5. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you 
that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But remember, we said that the Christian life, it, it, it's there, you can't plateau. You, it's, you can't set your Christian life on cruise control. You're either going to be going forward or you're going to be going backward. And he says here, if you go forward and you increase in your faith and virtue and knowledge, you're going to be fruitful in the knowledge of Christ. But if you don't do that, what's the, what's the consequence? Verse 9, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. So you have a, a nearsighted blind guy, is the, the way I heard one teacher teach it one time. You're blind, you cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You have somebody that goes back into life and starts living the way that they lived before they got saved, and, and, and you question their salvation, but again, people can't lose it, so well, what are they doing? They, they've forgotten that they were purged from their old sins, and they go out and they live that life again. But when they ought to live a life that's worthy of Jesus Christ... So how can we pray for our kids? How can we pray for each other? Pray that we would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And then pray, that we, pray for each other, that we would walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in our knowledge of Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your love, and thank You for, uh, again, for the Scriptures tonight.